0: So, future of work, is it exciting or
1: terrifying? I think it's both. I think it's a little bit terrifying because the unknown is always a little bit scary. But I think if we can start to shift that conversation and really start to take some of these concepts of thinking of skills rather than jobs, thinking beyond our technical capabilities to think of a a portfolio of skills, I think that can really shift it into something quite exciting.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Pickle. I'm Professor Claire Macken and Academic Director at RMIT Online. And it's my absolute pleasure today to chat with Shona McPherson from Foundation for Young Australians. Thanks for joining us today, Shona. Thank you for having me. Um, At RMIT Online, we're really focused on the skills gap, as you probably know, and helping learners prepare for the future world of work. And we're huge fans of FYA. We follow all of their work. Um, We'd love to hear
1: though about your background and your journey to FYA and of course about FYA itself. Thank you. Thanks for that stellar intro as well. Um, So at the Foundation for Young Australians, uh, we work with all 4.6 million young people across the country uh, to focus on three really specific things actually. So the first thing we do is that we investigate uh, the opportunities and challenges at hand for young people in this country because you know there's a lot of discussion about the changing world and its impacts for people in general general but um, we really have a specific lens for young Australians and looking at the different types of challenges and opportunities that present themselves for young people and as you already mentioned it we do have a very particular focus around the future of work and what kind of skills and capabilities young people need to succeed in that changing world and how we can best prepare them to navigate a changing future. Um, The second thing that we do is we bring the concepts of the research to life through programmatic work and solutions to some of those challenges that we've actually identified through the research. So um, not just talking about the issues, but creating some ideas and ways that we can uh, actually solve some of those challenges or create even bigger opportunities for young people. And I might talk about some of those programs a little bit later on. Uh, and the third thing that we do is that we work to really amplify and activate the voice of young people across Australia. Uh, I think, um, hopefully the RMIT community, certainly its students can, uh, recognize that, you know, there's, there's a general narrative about, uh, young people, um, across the world, but particularly here that they're a bit of a problem to be solved or, um, uh, you know, uh, millennials are eating so much uh, avocado on toast but not able to, you know, buy a house, all these sorts of ideas and narratives. But all, a lot of the time we see conversations about young people but very rarely are people talking to young people. So we really try to uh, fill that gap uh, by providing a platform for young people to share their thoughts, opinions, experiences uh, and the things that they're doing to create a better world to help give them a place and a space to be, but also to give um, perhaps those slightly older Australians who might be a bit disconnected from young people these days, uh, some insights into, into exactly what young people are thinking, feeling and doing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And when you say young person, do you have an age in mind <laughs> or is it
1: mentally young? Or, I mean, um, you know, I used to work in the dairy industry, so young was about 40 to 50 <laughs> years old, so it's a very that's different young. concept. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, absolutely, I think our concepts apply to a very broad range of uh, spectrum of people, but we do tend to work with an age bracket between 18 and 35.
0: So uh, imagine a crystal ball and you're looking into this crystal ball um, and we're looking at the future of work. Can you tell us what it looks like?
1: Uh, sorry to give you a cliche right off the bat. No one has a crystal ball. <laughs> I mean, I wish we, I think we all wish we did, but uh, no one can predict exactly what the future is going to look like. Um, and I mean, who wants to know exactly what's coming down the pipeline, right? You've a few surprises along the way. Uh, but certainly the work that FYA does, uh, we look at really um, analysing what the state of play is at the moment, um, what the world of work looks like right now. And forecasting what some of the changes in work might be down the track and what the implications for those might be for young people um, in particular. But obviously, you know, those concepts have consequences across different age brackets too. What we really know, uh, FYA has been looking into this for about five or six years now. We've got six research reports around the topic, uh, really trying to dig deep and understand uh, what some of those changes might be and the implications of them. Um, And what we found through our research report is that there's three really key economic factors that are changing the way that work uh, looks like and hopefully it's not too much of a surprise for anyone but those three factors are automation or augmentation, technological changes that are shifting what we do and how we do it, uh, globalisation, so becoming an increasingly connected, uh, globalised world where jobs aren't just performed in Australia by Australians, they're actually being able to perform across uh, across states, across territories, across seas. And then the third factor really around flexibility where um, this idea that having one kind of linear career pathway where you might, you know, start a job when you finish uni or finish your course at TAFE um, or even finishing high school and then you get into that job and you might climb the corporate ladder or the ladder of any variety, uh, get your gold watch at the end of all of that and go around in your RV around Australia. Um, That kind of concept is a little bit outdated now. In fact, a young person today is expected to have 18 different jobs across six careers in their lifetime. Uh, So that raises a bunch of different questions about how we're actually working um, and what the implications are of that for young people are. So we know that those three economic forces are changing what we're doing at work through technology, how we're doing it uh, through flexibility and automation, and really where we are when we're working as well. So you might not have to be in an office anymore. You could be ideally on a beach in Bali and performing your work, or you might be able to perform a task for someone in the Melbourne CBD, but be working from Albury, Wadonga. Uh, so there could be a range of ways that you're actually making up work and how you're engaging with work is really what we're looking at. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And anyone who hasn't read the FYI report should definitely go to the website and have a look because they're fantastic. Um, I mean, if you think about the history of the industrial revolutions in society, um, there's been a lot of talk about automation and changing it in the workforce for a very long
1: time. Why is it suddenly a hot topic now? Uh to, right? Uh, we're actually not in the first industrial revolution, we're in the fourth. Um, so yeah, technological change has been a constant in our world. and in, in fact, um, that old adage of change is the only constant is very much the case. Um, I think it's really a hot topic because we've never seen technological change at this kind of pace before. Uh, and the shifts that we're seeing are more rapid and constant than ever before. Um, so, you know, you think about back in uh, probably 2000 and 2007 I think the, the first iPhone came out um, and when you think about the kind of pace of shift with those first iterations of technology with Apple it was quite a slow pace and now we see basically a new phone every year it's created an, a huge app industry that employs tens of thousands of people around the world um, so that's just kind of one example of how quickly things are shifting um, I think as well, it's it's really become a part of our daily uh, our our daily um, routines. So as opposed to something you might engage with once or twice at work, uh, or even kind of one person being very heavily focused on it in an IT role. In fact, we're seeing now um, that every single job across the economy whether you're on a factory floor in an office building is being impacted by technology. So it's, it's not just a reality for some jobs, it's a reality for all jobs. And for some jobs, that means radical change. And for others, it might be really minor things. So, uh, for example... Um, someone in an office space is using email every day to communicate between their colleagues or outside of the organization. Um, you know, a, a dairy farmer and on a, on a farm is using, uh, milking machines to do their job. Um, and then in some industries, it's actually meaning much more radical change. For example, that we know the calf manufacturing industry in Australia has suffered quite significant job losses from shifts towards automized factories. Um. But then at the same time, it's created new technology that means you can have uh, more innovative design uh, for that car, same, same industry, the same car manufacturing industry. So it's creating jobs, it's changing what we do in jobs every day, but it's also meaning in some cases that there are job losses as well. So I think that constant and uh, daily interaction with technology is really what's driving that shift in the conversation.
0: Mm. So you would say the future of work is here now already?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not just uh, a headline that we see in the, the newspapers that rob- robots are coming to steal our jobs. Um, I think it's it very much a part of our everyday uh, operation Um And as we were talking about before, that change has been constant and kind of coming for a long time. It's not anything new, Um, but we do really need to shift the way that we talk about the future of work. Uh, It's not something that's coming 10 or 20 years down the track. It's actually here right now. Uh, And it's impacting um, workers significantly now, as we were talking about before. In some cases, it's meaning job losses. For other people, it's meaning just radical shifts in their, their industries It is also creating a bit of a skills gap in terms of uh, what we're teaching in schools and in tertiary institutions as well, uh, and what's changing so rapidly in jobs. Um, It's creating a bit of a mismatch at times in terms of what skills and capabilities young people are building compared to what they actually need when they get out in the world of work. Uh, And in fact, we know that even though 80% of young people across the country, they're finishing a secondary qualification and a lot of those people are going on to do tertiary studies, they're the most educated uh, generation of young Australians ever. Um, but unfortunately, one in three young people are un or underemployed in, the country, in this country. Uh, and that's um, one of the highest rates of un or underemployment that we've ever had. So even though nationally our unemployment figures are going down for young people, that's not the case. It's going the other way, in fact.
0: Could you just explain underemployment?
1: Absolutely, yes. Um, so underemployment um, is where you're uh, ready and willing to, to take on more work, but unable to access that work for um, uh, sometimes a multiple, multiple reasons. Um, it could be first that the jobs just don't exist. And certainly we know from our New Work Reality Report that quite a lot of young people feel that that is the case, that the jobs that match their skills and capabilities just don't exist yet. Um, It can also be that uh, employers don't feel that they're qualified for the types of roles that they're going for. It might also just be that they're making up uh, a portfolio of work, so they're not able to get one full-time role um, or the kind of hours that they want access to. Uh, So instead, they're kind of cobbling together a portfolio of jobs where um, They're making up, you know, one day of work at one organisation. They might be self-employed another couple of days a week. They might drive an Uber on the weekend. You know, there's a a range of ways that they're making up full-time hours, um, but they're still not able to make up the amount that they either want or need.
0: Mm. So what practical tips would you have for young and maybe older Australians to prepare for this new work reality?
1: I think what our research reports really show um, is that there's a real shift from uh, jobs to skills. Uh, And what I mean by that is that we've analysed um, millions of uh, job advertisements and really um, gazed into what employers are asking for. If there is this skills mismatch with a changing world of work, um, how can young people prepare themselves for that? And how can the people that support young people, aka places like RMIT, uh, really help um, young people to build that? Portfolio of skills, if you like. Um, and certainly coming back to that statistic about 18 jobs over six careers in your lifetime, you're no longer preparing your skill set or your mindset for just one job, op- job opportunity or two job opportunities, you're actually preparing for a range of different um, occupations over time. Um, and I think a lot of older Australians can probably relate to you You kind of figure that out sometimes 15 or 20 years into your career that your skills are very transferable. They're not just, uh, they're not just applicable to one or two job opportunities. And in fact, the research shows that when you build the skills or capabilities for one job, you can apply those to 30, other po- possible um, jobs or occupations. So I think the the biggest thing there is to think about. Um What kind of area of work rather than just one or two jobs, what kind of area of work might you be interested in preparing for and think about the types of skills and capabilities that you need to succeed uh, and to maybe make a couple of job changes in the future. And if you do have a couple of gaps, what kind of courses or uh, study could you do to further that or even what kind of part time job could you get before you finish your studies to help boost your qualifications and your skill capability um, or what kind of experience might you need to help yourself uh, be more attractive to an employer in a different in a different role but still perhaps within the same industry and then thinking about um, what are your strengths and the things that you're interested in so that you can really start to to cluster um, those ideas around an area of work rather than just one or two job opportunities. So really shifting our mindset, I think, from uh, preparing for that one job opportunity down the track to really starting to open our minds to what are the potential two or three careers I could have rather than just fixating on that one. I think that's a really key thing for young people to think about.
0: And what about um, how is that related to the flexible nature of work?
1: I think it's related to the flexible nature of work because... uh, Really, the way that we're engaging with work is really different from how it once was. So again, um, it might be that you have uh, flexible start and finish times. You might work remotely. Uh, you do really need a different um, a different approach to working remotely or working uh, even for yourself than you might need if you're going into an office nine to five Monday to Friday. Um, it requires a really different set of skills in terms of being able to work autonomously, being able to really uh, self-manage um being prepared to doing some of your own learning on the job as well. Uh, And I think being prepared for everyone out there, uh, being prepared to learn on the job as work is changing is really important thing to keep in mind. Um, But really, yeah, your your skills also a great thing to raise is that it's not just about your technical capabilities, it's also about uh, your ability to problem solve, to work on your own, uh, to do some self-directed learning um, to think about how you can communicate with others, whether that's face to face or if you're working remotely, it might be online. Um, so, really starting to broaden up our concept of what being skilled for work means as well. So, not just focusing on those technical capabilities and honing those in for one job opportunity, thinking about how you can apply a range of skills to a range of jobs. Mm, it's great
0: advice for everyone. So, Shona, in terms of the future of work, what is the role of education? Um, providers and as well as employers and government.
1: The role of educators, uh, I think, is really central because we know that young people, when they start to think about their careers, that really starts uh, in primary school. <laughs> people are starting to ask you that question of what do you want to be when you grow up, and you're starting to think of oh, I might want to be a doctor or a vet or um, whatever it might be, uh, and that's the kind of central starting point for most people in terms of their career journey and when they're thinking of what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. It might not be in a very intentional way at that point, but um, it's certainly central to that journey. Um, So the role of educators is really to help Uh, help have these conversations. And I think um, working with parents as well is a really important way to do that so that uh, we can take some of the fear out of it for young people and we can start to help them recognise what the opportunities uh, of that changing world of work are. So um, the first thing I think is having the conversation about work in a really different way. So not asking a young person, what do you want to be when you grow up? and fixating on one thing, but starting to really think about uh, what kind of things are you interested in and what types of skills might you need uh, to get there um, and what types of things might you want to try out later on in life um, to really help tease out exactly what they need to learn and the types of pathways they might need to take with work uh, to get there as well. Um, I think the, the second thing for educators, and this one's kind of a little bit tied into policymakers, because we know that educators don't have all of the control, particularly at a secondary level uh, around curriculum, um, but really starting to embed the teaching of uh, what we at FYA call enterprise skills. So uh, those skills I was talking about earlier, things like communication and presentation skills, um, skills like uh, creativity and problem solving. uh, Those are the skills that we know from our research that employers are increasingly looking for and they're asking for more and more in this changing world of work. Yes, your technical capabilities are important, but those enterprise skills are increasingly important in that world of work as well. And then I think the third thing we can really shift our thinking about is the idea that learning finishes at school or, or finishes uh, after you finish your TAFE or tertiary course. Um, in fact, we really need to shift the thinking into learning is for life uh, and that journey really never ends. So setting up the expectation that when you're going into the workforce, you will still be learning uh, and you need to be prepared for that as well. So how can we encourage that sense of um interest in learning for life as well.
0: So I'm a parent and I have a, um, an 18 year old right now faced with these exact issues in the final year of school, looking at all of the different options. And sometimes the advice I get is very discipline specific, um, do a law degree or do a medical degree. But if you think about your message around 18 job changes and six employers, what are the sorts of messages that you give to young people? Um, and how do they respond to these messages when you do?
1: Um, it's a it's a funny one. You you think it sounds really daunting when you say it out loud, and certainly I think um, for those of us who did grow up in that world of work, which was really linear, eighteen jobs over six careers in your lifetime, sounds pretty scary. Um, but we actually go out to to schools and talk to students about the research a lot, um, and they're actually really excited by the idea. Uh, And I think this is why um, when you ask that question that we were talking about earlier about what you want to be when you grow up, um, for a lot of young people, that's actually a really scary question. What one thing do I want to do for the rest of time? uh that will define me <laughs> for the rest of my days. Um that's a pretty hard thing to think about at 15, let alone, you know, 30 or <laughs> 40 even for some people. Um there's a lucky few I think out there who we see who really know what they want to do and are really fixated and prepared to make a call on that. Um, but for the rest of us, I think it's a and I say the rest of us because I was one of those who was pretty terrified by that question. <laughs> um, it's actually a much more, a much less clear journey and you have to kind of figure it out by a series of trial and error sometimes, um, try out things that you like and sometimes you uh, figure out that you don't like it halfway through. So I think that the message that we really try to instill for young people when we talk about this research is think about the opportunities that that opens for you. If you don't want to go to an office and work nine to five Monday to Friday sitting at a desk uh, at a computer, you don't have to anymore. There's a lot of different ways to make up a living um, and a lot of different ways that you can actually do that as well.
0: Um, So future of work, is it exciting or terrifying?
1: I, uh, I think it's both. I think it's a little bit terrifying because the unknown is always a little bit scary. Um, And certainly, I think the narrative that we sell ourselves can be really scary and and gloomy at times. Um, But I think if we can start to shift that conversation uh, and really start to take some of these concepts of thinking of skills rather than jobs, thinking beyond our technical capabilities to think of a a portfolio of skills, um, And also recognising that change is just kind of a part of our world as well uh, and that there's nothing to fear with that. We just have to learn how to navigate it better. (laughs) Um, I think that can really shift it into something quite exciting.
0: So thanks so much for the fascinating conversation today on the future of work, which is actually here now, so it's really work. (laughs) Um, It's really been a great insight for not just young Australians but for everyone and thanks everyone for listening. Stay tuned for the next edition of The Pickle. The Pickle was brought to you by RMIT Online. Change the way you think about learning. We have. Study short courses and full degrees online on your terms. Head to online.rmit.edu.au to find out more.